0: Welcome back to another edition of the Disney Dish Podcast with Jim Mills, It's me, Lantesta. We are slowly but surely making our way into July, the hottest part of the year. But that's fine because it gives us more things to do outside. Mow the lawn, wash the car, all kinds of other activities that you can do while listening on headphones to this show. Also, since I will populate one ear of those headphones. We need somebody in the other ear. That other ear is, of course, one Mr. Jim Hill. Jim, how's it going? There's a lot of wax in here, Leonard.
1: It... <laughs> <laughs> it's atmosphere, Jim. It's atmosphere. Okay. Got to go get a Q-tip. Anyway, I, I'm I'm glad to be here. Echo, echo, echo. Echo,
0: echo. All right, Jim, you've got some some news coming out of the Disney Corporation
1: that may affect theme parks, right? Yeah, Mr. Lasseter is headed out of the Walt Disney Company come the tail end of 2019. And to pick up the slack to replace John, Disney has decided it needs to get two chief creative officers in place. On the Walt Disney Animation Studio side, we have Jennifer Lee, who you folks probably know as the co-director along with Chris Buck of Frozen. She wrote the screenplay for Wrinkle in Time. And on the Pixar side, we have Pete Docter. And Pete, he's the gentleman who directed Monsters, Inc. back in 2001, up in 2009, and Inside Out in 2015. And Pete is a theme park geek from way back. I remember once talking with Tony Baxter about an After Hours tour that he personally gave... Mr. Doctor of Disneyland Park, and supposedly, when Tony took Pete backstage at the Indiana Jones Adventure to the garage where they work on the troop transports after hours, he kind of lost his mind. It's like, oh my God, I'm, I'm here with the vehicles, you know. <laughs> He's been collaborating with Imagineer Chris Merritt on a, a book about Disneyland Mark Davis, and the thing is. All of us know Mark's work on animated films like Peter Pan and Cinderella and that sort of thing. But Pete felt that there hadn't been a definitive book about Mark's work at Wed. So he and Chris have been collaborating on this book. A Coffee Table book will be out in 2019. And it's not only filled with amazing full-color sketches and paintings of Mark's work for The Jungle Cruise, Pirates of the Caribbean, and The Haunted Mansion but also a whole bunch of davis design projects that never made it into parks, like Western River, the Enchanted Snow Palace, and even Fort Wilderness's Adventure House, which, Len, you have to see, if only for the giant scary chickens. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how this didn't end up as a thing. When you are the chief creative officer, that means not only are you working on the studio side, but you also work with Imagineering, Look, Imagineering isn't run by dummies. They realize when somebody comes through the door, it probably, if we're looking to get them to green light projects, we should probably fine tune them to what this person has worked on. So Disney bought Pixar in January of 2006, and John Lasseter, again, he's the guy who directed Toy Story in 1995, Toy Story 2 in 1999, and then Cars, the original Cars in 2006, and Cars 2 in 2011. He's not on the job 18 months when the first Cars-themed attraction opens. That's at, at Disney Studios Paris. That's the Cars Race Rally. And then Midway Mania opens less than one year later first at Disney Hollywood Studios and then at California Adventure in June of that same year and then we start to see the Toy Story Playlands opened up again Walt Disney Studios Paris gets it its Playland in August of 2010 Hong Kong gets its Toy Story Playland in November of 2011 Cars Land that with its $170 million Radiator Springs Racer attraction that opens in June of 2012 And Tokyo Disney Seas gets its Toy Story Mania in July of 2012. Mm -hmm. And just to bring things home here, just in the past month or two, we've got a Toy Story Land open at Shanghai Disneyland. uh, That was in April. And Toy Story Land, of course, as we were just talking about, opens at Hollywood Studios on the 30th this month. And they fine-tuned all of these pitches to John because they knew that John having direct Cars Land and directed Toy Story that these were going to be the things that he'd go to the board and champion and would get funding. So let's review here. We have Pete Doctor, director of Monsters, Inc. What do you want to bet the Monsters Coaster thing that was off the table for Disney Hollywood Studios for all those years is going to suddenly be pushed to the front again?
0: It could explain partly why they didn't move forward with that Magic Kingdom theater thing, right? Because we've
1: talked about a Monsters Coaster back there, right? Mm -hmm. Also, given Pete directed Inside Out, the smart money right now is on imagination getting an Inside Out overlay. That would make sense. And Meanwhile, given that Frozen is just open on Broadway, Frozen 2 is being prepped for November release in 2019, anticipate that there is a lot more Frozen stuff coming for Disney parks and resorts. Uh, Likewise, again, given Jennifer's ties to, to Zootopia, not going to be a surprise to see zootopia jump to the front and but again a lot of this is just the guys at imagineering being smart politically when you you show a wonderful new land to your chief creative officer and they go oh hey that's the film i worked on and boy you guys have done a good job and let me go talk to the board <laughs> Don't be surprised, folks, if we see lots of Monster Inc. stuff and just coincidentally again that we have the Monsters Inc. series that's that's showing up on the Disney subscription channel that's launching next year. With these new folks in place and what they've worked on, don't be surprised if you see very specific projects being pushed that much harder in the parks in in much the same way as we saw all this Toy Story and Cars Land stuff.
0: What's the phrase, uh, new players, new game? (laughs) <laughs> that's why uh, my boss used to say every time somebody new came on the team yeah time anytime there was a reorganization
1: mmhmm
0: Jimmy right, we mentioned surveys I want to move on to that for the main mm-hmm. part of our show there's a these set out sent out a couple of interesting surveys lately one of them is on a topic that we've talked about before that's minivans and another one is on something new let's go over both of those for the main part of our show here the first one I want to talk about is the surveys related to Disney's ride-sharing service that they're partnering with Lyft on. This is the thing called minivans. They're the red and white polka dotted minivans or crossover vehicles that you see all around property. I've been counting as I've gone around Walt Disney World property. You know, each, each vehicle has a number on the side of it. I've been looking for the highest numbered minivan that I could find. Lately, remember Jim, they started off with 27 of these. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the highest number I've seen so far now is 61. Woof. Which okay. indicates that they've more than doubled since starting. But here's the survey question that, uh, that got sent out. By the way, uh, shout out to Scott Sanders of the DCL blog, who sent us this in the next survey that we're about to talk about. So the question that Disney sent out in the minivan surveys was phrased this way. How would each of the following impact your likelihood to use the minivan service? First one was hybrid or electric vehicles. The second one uh, was basically the opposite of that. Larger vehicles that accommodate more than six passengers or have extra room for belongings, e.g. strollers. Another one would be as if they offered more than two child safety seats per vehicle. Another option, and this is where I want to get your comments, Jim. Service to destinations outside of Walt
1: Disney World, e.g. to outlet malls, sports arenas, etc. What do you think about that? It wasn't all that long ago. You were telling the story about the folks who were being dropped off at the airport, who were saying, "Look, I'm coming back in three weeks and I love it." They wanted to book it, you know, six months or nine months from now. Yeah, yeah. That clientele with that deep a pocket, they don't necessarily want to be limited to run me to the airport or pick me up or run me around property. They want the fun of actually being able to run out to International Drive and and do the Orlando Eye or or that sort of thing with their minivan.
0: It's funny you mentioned that, because I talked to a couple of people who used the minivan service for the first time in the last couple of weeks. And they said two things. One is it's it's way more expensive than traditional ride sharing services. But the other thing that they said, and this was interesting, that because it's a Disney owned car Mm -hmm. driven by a Disney employee, it's basically a mobile version of the Disney bubble Mm -hmm. that you could if you wanted to go to the outlet malls, you would basically extend the Disney bubble out to the outlet malls or if you wanted to go to another theme park or you wanted to go to catch a game at uh, downtown. It's a way of keeping you in the quote in the bubble as long as you can.
1: And for a deeper pocketed guest, that has a mighty appeal. I'm not limited to when I cross the barrier on property If you think about the other things that they talked about, doesn't the survey also talk about entertainment?
0: Right. So there are a couple of other things. One of them is extended hours of operation. So I I don't recall off the top of my head when you can summon a minivan now, but I'm assuming it's something like you know 7 a.m. to midnight or whatever. So maybe if you have a very early or very late flight, that might help. Mm -hmm. Entertainment systems that play videos, e.g. Pixar Shorts, Mm-hmm. was another option. And then other amenities in the vehicle, such as bottled water. Mm-hmm. Amenities like bottled water are fairly standard in most of the Ubers and Lyfts that I'm taking these days. And I would say the nicer cars that I have do have entertainment systems in them. I remember I had one Uber driver who had built in small LCD screens in the back of his car seats so that we could watch videos while we were being driven the 11 minutes home from my, you know, from Epcot to my house. Mm. That was impressive. And, and I would, I, I could see how kids would be super entertained by that. The one question in here, the one amenity that is in here that I don't really understand. And I'd like to get your take on Jim is this. There's an option to indicate that you would like to see smaller vehicles that accommodate smaller parties of three or fewer. No child safety seats available. Why? Is it part of the whole concern about the carbon footprint of two people in a six-passenger car?
1: Reading between the lines here, there will be giant minivan vehicles. If you need that SUV for schlepping a larger party that's got strollers and lots of bags, that Mm -hmm. would be available. But at the same time, just the fun of, say, being able to roll up to Disney Springs and roll out of a mini-themed Mini Cooper. (laughs) A mini-mini? A mini-mini. In theory, further on down the line, you'll be able to go to a site to book your minivan experience. And it's like, do you want to go in the fun little car? Have the clown car experience? Or, you know, are you you coming with your giant party and want to make a statement at the airport? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. Yeah. The other thing that's frankly not being said here yet, and I'm fascinated that this didn't come as part of the survey, is the notion of, do you want to book your minivan for the day? Oh yeah. You talked about extending your Disney bubble. It's like, okay. So I'm I've got my minivan for the day. I can roll around property. I can roll off property. I can go down to one ninety two and get food or that sort of thing. But I'm I'm in my cool minivan. What I've heard so far is that Disney legal is still not sure how they feel about this. I mean, there's yeah. kind of the whole this is why we didn't do a Disney airline because we don't want a picture of a tail with Mickey Mouse's face on it sticking up out of a cornfield. Right. We don't want a minivan to be involved in an accident on, on, out on I four, and, and it's
0: going to happen, right? It's it's an eventuality. It, it is. It, you drive yeah. enough, it'll it'll happen. I'm yeah. I'm interested though, Jim, in this question about being able to keep the minivan all day because mm-hmm. I've recently visited different cities where I've had to ride share between three different destinations in a very short amount of time, and each time I did that, in, no matter what city I'm in it is 7 to 10 minutes every time I want to get a car. That's just to find the the nearest driver, mm-hmm. have them navigate traffic, and find the right spot to pick me up. Mm-hmm. But that's 30 minutes in a day. And 30 minutes in a day is a lot, especially when you're traveling. I could see a case where maybe if you don't have the same car, but someone knows that you're there and will be there to pick you up ahead of time.
1: Mm-hmm. That's an interesting idea. The point you make about losing... A half hour out of a day and it's like when you're on vacation at Walt Disney World, that's actually a good chunk of time. Half hour out of a day is probably twenty dollars in ticket
0: time. Yeah. So no. so that's that's probably the price point. Price price probably twenty two fifty. But yeah. all right. All right, Jim, the other the other survey that I want to talk about is a technology related survey that Walt Disney Parks and Resorts sent out. But mm-hmm. they sent out to guests who had taken a Disney cruise recently. Now, the interesting thing about those two facts is that the survey doesn't necessarily deal only with Disney Cruise Line and technology. Let's go through the questions here, and I want to ask you what Disney's thinking, or mm-hmm. what Disney's trying to get at by asking these questions. You ready? Sure. The first part of the survey is basic demographics. You know, did, you, did you recently go on a Disney Cruise? Where are you from? And so on. It starts to get interesting around the ninth question. Mm -hmm. which asks, which, if any, of the following devices does your household own and use? And it starts off with things like fitness trackers, you know, Fitbits, Tom Toms, Jawbones. Mm -hmm. It asks about e-readers, Amazon Kindle, and so on, portable smartphone battery chargers. Then it starts getting a little freaky. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Virtual reality headsets, wearable body-mounted video cameras, so GoPros, Mm -hmm. standalone voice-controlled virtual assistants, drone or camera drone, 3D printer. 360-degree camera, and smart glasses like Google Glass or Snapchat spectacles. And there's a few other in there that I didn't read, but some, a fairly wide range of technology there. What? Why Why are they asking about so much? Why doesn't
1: it just do you on a phone? You and I both know about the three new ships that are joining the line. Mm-hmm. And the old cliche about when you build a cruise ship is you lay the keel in one financial market and you launch the ship and it get completely different. <laughs> From one recession to another, right? Yeah. And so... Yeah. Part of this really is about when we're checking with the folks who, who have taken a Disney cruise, how many early adopters are we actually talking about?
0: There's literally an entire question later on about being an early adopter and the, the kinds go. of technology. Yeah,
1: There's this fascinating sort of in-house battle that's going on right now. Because remember, one of the initial conceits of the Disney Cruise Line was the return to the elegance and the luxury of cruising in the 1930s and the 1940s. So the Mm -hmm. stylization of the ship, the atrium as you arrive.
0: Right, Art Deco and Art Nouveau, which harken back to those particular time periods, right.
1: Disney's been doing a lot of post-cruise surveys, much like these. And the pushback is, from a technology point of view, it's like, I love the cruise experience, but all too often I wasn't able to, to use devices. In fact, it, it's interesting the drone question because mm-hmm. that's actually come up quite a bit on with the, the crews of the ships because people want to be able to do that video of the ship and show their friends and family. This is the amazing, elegant, huge ship that I just sailed on. And so, can I fly my drone around your boat? And it's just like, no, of course well, not. I'm
0: not worried about the drones necessarily flying around the ship. What I'm worried about is people banging them off the hull and then the resulting litter mm. floating around the Caribbean. Cause that's what
1: would happen. Yeah. I guess they've actually test driven, so to speak, you know, the notion of, well, would you like a, a flyover of the ship? Because we have a pilot here that will, you know, for example, fly the drone, your family stand on the balcony wave to the drone and then we'll pull the drone out and do a fly over the ship and yeah. we will sell that video to you but yeah I that's mean, an that, idea this, this is all about when you look at a, for example the virtual reality goggles that they ask about there mm-hmm. that's about the void land
0: oh yeah uh, but by the way after the last time i did the void i went out and bought a pair of vr goggles <laughs> just uh, inexpensive ones just to mm-hmm. just to see what the hype was about and uh I can definitely see buying a a more expensive pair. Yeah. You're right about the point about the styling, because if I I think about what I want Mm -hmm. in a cruise ship, what I want in a cruise ship is 1920s to 1940s style, style of a specific period, but with all of the modern conveniences of home. I want a voice-activated 1940s steamship. That's that's what I want. I want I want all of the styling of back then, with all of the technology of today, married together. And and, and by 1940s, I mean I would also be, be fine with the 1960s
1: mid-century modern. That's what I want. That's kind of an interesting Venn diagram to, to try to put out on the Ocean Land. <laughs> I'm not saying you won't pay for it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, please, you go on with the other yeah, questions. Yeah, let's go on to the next story. Again. So
0: the next the next question gets even more esoteric. Mm-hmm. It asks which, if any, smart devices. For the home, does your household use or own and use? Mm-hmm. So Wi-Fi enabled home video camera, smart security system, smart outlets. So the Belkin Wemo switch, the iHope smart plug, which I've never heard of. Mm-hmm. The smart home intelligent door lock, which I have because I've actually bought one. Smart home light bulbs. Again, I have those. Smart home thermostat, a Nest. I have those. Video doorbell. Don't use it, but Nest makes one. And then smart home uh, smoke or carbon monoxide detectors again nest makes uh, one of those as well what does that have to do with cruising though i don't understand or is it just a like a we're trying to figure out how how much of a geek you are with that
1: actually it's more about fine-tuning what your cabin experience is going to be on these next three ships oh got it got it got it got it okay okay the keyhole doorbell that thing you were just mentioning Who's outside the cabin? Oh, it's the purser. uh, I'll give you a hint, Jim. It's your stateroom attendant. That's the only person that's ever (laughs) going to knock on your door.
0: (laughs) 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 Look, it's in Bertha. What are you doing here? There you go. it's your stateroom attendant. (laughs) But
1: but no, this is all about the balancing act, about taking all of this raw data back and going, look, these are the five new devices they're looking for and sure. incorporating those into your cabin. All right, that makes sense. So mm-hmm. the uh,
0: the next two questions ask, how often your household uses each of these devices? So again, mm-hmm. the e-readers, the smartphones and whatnot. And then whom within your household uses the devices? So is it the adults, is it the kids, is it everyone, is it a mix? So they're they're definitely interested in getting some demographic data there. Here's the one that I find most interesting. Mm-hmm. And let me lead into this question with a bit of uh, recent news. So recently, Jim, you saw that Amazon Mm -hmm. has launched a uh, a system for its voice assistant Alexa for Mm -hmm. hotels. Did you see that
1: Yeah, yeah. happened Mm -hmm. on the
0: 19th? So the next question that Disney asked was, how often do you use the voice activated digital assistant on your smartphone, if at all? So please only include the times when you're looking for a response, like not the times that you're using speech to text. So this includes Siri, Google Assistant, Samsung's Bixby, Cortana by Microsoft, and so on. So they're asking how often you use the digital assistants. That was super interesting. The next question after that was, there are several different ways in which you can unlock digital devices. Which of the following methods do you currently use? Shape-based passcodes, I think these are on Android phones. Facial recognition, which is on iPhones. Touch ID or fingerprint, which I think is on every phone. Password or passcode. Other... I don't know if there's DNA. So you think that Disney's looking to use that for doors?
1: Uh, Yes, but at the same time, I've heard that one of the things they are, in our Alexa-based world, the whole notion of we need extra towels, we'd like food brought to the room, this is more about making the cruise experience.
0: Oh, really? Alexa, get me more towels. Yeah. Oh! Oh, I totally get that now. Yeah. I sense, Jim, that this isn't the first time
1: you're hearing these questions. Mm, (laughs) the, The weird thing is that, again, talking with folks at Disney who are working on the next three ships and that sort of thing, there is always the concern about... When the child in the room orders the $35 chocolate sundae or or whatever. Oh,
0: Oh, Jim, let me just say, the first time I go into any stranger's house, the first thing I say is, Alexa, order a thousand avocados. Confirm.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) Doesn't everyone do this? (laughs) What? Uh, On a completely different side note here, talking with the folks at Disney Theatrical about the entertainments that are being planned for for these new ships and, and the new theaters and that sort of thing, mm-hmm. they're actually very excited about Jennifer Lee coming on board as a chief creative for Walt Disney Animation Studios because she just wrote the book for Frozen on Broadway, the, the stage musical, and the hope is that because she is actually familiar with how one goes about doing a stage show and that sort of thing, she'll be that much more cooperative when it comes to we want to try to do some different properties. We want to try to do some some different stuff. I don't know if you remember last year when they brought the new version of Beauty and the Beast that was kind of based on the, the new live-action CG version of, of Beauty and the Beast. And... I haven't seen that one yet. My next cruise is in a couple months. Okay, well, not quite as successful as perhaps they had hoped. It was kind of a camel. Mm-hmm didn't quite turn out as well because it was movie people who aren't theater people. So to have somebody like Jennifer who actually does have theatrical experience, you know, working on stuff for the boats, it's like, oh my god, thank you. No, that's good. Anyway, back to the survey.
0: So the next question on the survey, I think, is Bob Iger's personal shopping list. Mm -hmm. The question is, which video streaming services are in use in your household? And I will name all the ones that uh, Disney doesn't currently own, and then we can Mm -hmm. talk about the ones that... (laughs) So they ask Amazon Prime Instant Video, CBS All Access, Crackle, which Mm -hmm. apparently is a thing on Apple TV, Mm -hmm. Uh, DirecTV Now, HBO Now, Hulu, Netflix, PlayStation View, Sling TV, Twitch, Vivo, Xfinity, Comcast, and YouTube TV, and then other. So what do they they think about there? Is that for additional uh, entertainment on board?
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you saw... A day or so ago when Disney bumped its bid for Comcast up to seventy one billion dollars. Yeah. You know, one of the reasons that Iger justified making this jumping Disney's bid from fifty four point two billion to seventy one billion is like, look, over the past six months, the number of people who have gone to with these subscription services has gone through the roof. People are voting in a large way.
0: Yeah, what is it something like twenty five percent of all households now? Yeah. It's not too long from now when uh Will be a majority cut cord,
1: yeah, yeah. That's a, a scary moment for a company like Disney, which is why yeah. again the Fox acquisition to have all of this content, so you then become a you know a company that's very comfortable with doing things with subscription wise. But this really is about gathering this information and making sure that these next three ships offer what folks who are going for a luxury disney cruise will expect to find and it's like these days it's going to be i want to be able to watch my subscription channels i want to walk watch be able to watch the marvelous mrs Mazelle while i'm out on the, on such the a great
0: show I, I didn't think i it would is. like it but laurel uh, started watching i think it's it's very funny yeah yeah here's the confusing section of the survey for me mm. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's two questions that deal with this. I'll read them to you. Do -hmm. you use Google's Smart Reply or similar email features from another company? Smart Reply is a tool in the Gmail app that will suggest basic responses to email. Mm -hmm. This app also learns as you use it, so it can determine which types of responses you choose or which you don't choose and take that into account as it suggests responses. So that's the first question, do you use it? The second question is, are you interested? in using Smart Reply or a similar email feature. What does this have to do with cruises?
1: Let's say day one of the cruise, you're sitting out on the deck in your, your wonderful folding chair and you decide that you want a Mai Tai. And so you use your device to say, I would like a Mai Tai, and the attendant brings you a Mai Tai. So it's day three of the cruise and it's approximately the same time that you ordered your Mai Tai. And oh, okay. Your device kicks off with Mister Testa. It's that time again. Would you like us to order your mai tai? And how comfortable would you be with this sort of system if we, in fact, put it in place, which then learns your likes and dislikes over the course of the oh, career? so
0: it's not they're not asking a question about whether you're going to use Smart Reply for email. They're asking mm. a question about whether you're comfortable with a system analyzing your habits and making suggestions. This is the first time I've seen this survey, Jim. You've clearly seen this survey before.
1: La, 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 la.
0: Okay. All right. Fair enough. Literally, I didn't think of that until... Okay. I got it. I got it. All right.
1: Just think about it. We did that show two and three weeks ago about all of this time and money that Disney's putting into machine learning.
0: This is a... How comfortable are you with the outcomes of that?
1: Yes. Okay. Just anticipating that... We are two years at the absolute minimum blend. more likely three, before we'll see e- any of these ships come into the, the fleet. Yeah. When you make decisions like this, when you make technology-based decisions, you have to buy thousands of these units. And it's just sort of like, tell me we're betting on the right horse. Give yep. me information about what... Early adopters are going with the millennials, which is the customer. We're now chasing to do the cruise experience. What do they want when they get into their stateroom? And it's not just a warm towel rack. Huh? Speaking
0: of uh, amenities. So I'm going to finish up here with the last two set of questions. There's some other stuff in this survey about how often you use technology and, and whatnot. But, uh, but I'm going to come up with uh, two, two last questions here. And we'll, we'll talk about that and we'll close the show. Mm -hmm. The question is, to what extent do you personally agree or disagree? with each of the following statements when it comes to technology in general. And you're asked to say strongly agree, somewhat agree, neither agree or disagree, somewhat disagree or strongly disagree. So on a scale of one to five, five, uh, one being strongly agree, five being strongly disagree. How do you feel about these statements? So the first one is I'm interested in using virtual reality, a simulated environment on my smartphone using a special VR viewer like a Google Cardboard. So strongly agree, somewhat agree, all the way down to strongly disagree. The next one, though, is interesting from a retail perspective. It says, I prefer to use self-checkout registers when they're available in retail stores. And uh, shout out here to Laurel, who's probably listening to the show. Maybe I know exactly how you're going to answer that question. Strongly agree. (laughs) I expect free Wi-Fi at all business or retail locations. I would be comfortable talking to a virtual assistant in public. So in public, Jim...
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Oh, this is the order me another Mai Tai. There we go. I would be comfortable talking to a virtual assistant in my home. As I say this, Alexa is probably listening to me now. Here's (laughs) two really interesting questions, though. I am comfortable making purchases greater than $1,000 on my smartphone. And I am comfortable making purchases greater than $10,000 on my smartphone.
1: Hello, Disney Onboard Art Gallery. Oh, okay. All right. Actually, you could book your next
0: cruise online too, and that's probably more it's definitely more than a thousand dollars. Definitely, I like the option of using an app to control my stateroom environment, thermostat, curtains, room service orders, etc. And then, last question: My friends come to me for advice and technology, so here they're looking for expert users, early adopters, sort of the lead—the lead user in the innovation space, right?
1: But here's the problem, then. Yes, the Disney Cruise Line has introduced an entire new generation, young families and that sort of thing, to the cruise experience. Hard reality is that still a very strong percentage of the cruise business, both Disney and elsewhere, are retirees who are not as technically savvy. And this is the crossroads that the Disney Cruise Line finds itself at. They want these new ships, these new top-of-the-line ships with... So going to have the classic design elements of the, the very things you were talking about, the 20 to the 1940s type styling. But they want these staterooms to not only be able to serve the millennial who, as they said, you know, wants to be able to talk to the device and control the thermostat and the, the lights. Yeah. and But they also want the old farts like myself, who are, you know, can sometimes be Luddites to not spend the entire cruise bitching about. Keeps talking to me. I I just want a towel.
0: (laughs) I didn't tell the oven nine hundred and seventy-five degrees. I don't care what it says. There you go. It's
1: lying. (laughs) It's a tough balancing act. Yeah,
0: especially since a cruise ship is like a house, and that Mm -hmm. you're you're going to keep it for twenty-five years.
1: Oh, absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Um.
0: So the technology, the infrastructure that you build in, once it's there, it's going to be there for a very long time because, like a house. You're not going to move out of it to remodel it. The way that ships make money is by staying in service. So and this is uh, this is super interesting to see what they're uh, what they're going to do. My sense is most of this will be wireless devices and technology, and that's why they're asking about the Bluetooth and the other things.
1: No, absolutely, absolutely. But by the time we all go on board these ships, because of just the way technology works, it it's going to be cutting edge. For about thirty-five seconds.
0: Yeah, I mean the the earliest of these is three or four years from now, right?
1: Yeah, and so just anticipate it will be really, really cool, and then in two years later, it will be quaint, and then it's like five years, we'll be complaining about why hasn't Disney upgraded this thing?
0: Well, hopefully, hopefully, again, if they're doing uh, wireless technology and everything's modular, it'll be easier to replace. That's true. But yeah, I get That's your true. point. They uh, once they so.
1: install it, they've got to they've
0: got to get their money back on it. Mm.
1: But anyway, it's a fascinating survey and a fascinating peek over the horizon.
0: It is. Uh, thanks again to uh, to Scott for sending this one in.
1: And by the way, a lot of these very same technologies are being talked about for the Disney parks and resorts.
0: Yeah. So, again, we, we said that the survey was sent out by parks and resorts, not by the yeah. cruise line. No, absolutely. Uh,
1: but they're, they're looking yeah, to so piggyback. I
0: imagine there's some sharing of answers going on. There we go. We're yeah, the, on the, the Disney corporate boardroom for both of these things. Because anything mm-hmm. you can do on a ship, you can do in a, in a resort, right? Absolutely. All right, folks. That's going to do it for this show. Don't forget, we are produced fabulously by Aaron Adams. Speaking of surveys, please go on to iTunes and write a review of our show and tell us what you would like to hear next. For Jim, this is Len. We will see you on the next show.